Are you out there doing your best to get on with life? Because, as you already know, it's what you make of your life that really counts. And sometimes having a few shortcuts to help you on your way can be very useful. The NLP Matters podcast might just be the toolbox you need to focus your attention, your effort, your drive onto what really does make the difference. Built on the foundation of neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP Matters podcast offers proven recipes you can use to create and sustain your life your way. G'day and welcome to the NLP Matters podcast. I'm your host, Joe Clark. Today, we continue to explore the fundamental presuppositions of NLP. These presuppositions provide us with a compass that guides us as we use and apply powerful NLP techniques to take control of our own lives and really make a difference. In our last episode, we took a close look at three of these presupps. Firstly, that resistance to communication is a sign of lack of rapport. Secondly, that we calibrate a person based on their behavior because this is the most important indicator of where a person is up to. And thirdly, that there's no failure, only feedback. Each of these three presuppositions focus in on acknowledging and accepting our personal power through redefining our responsibility as communicators. Today, we'll look at two more NLP presupps. First, the people are not their behaviours, which means we can accept a person and focus on changing behaviour. And the second one is that everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have available at the time. These two presuppositions really challenge us to see the world from a different perspective. In NLP, we describe this as taking up different perceptual positions In this context, the different perceptual positions means more than just an intellectual acknowledgement that everyone has their own version of reality or map of the world, but that we take the imaginative leap and wonder, what if I had their map? How could I see their world? This means we're really connecting to the NLP precepts we looked at in episode 31, respecting the other person's map of reality, and even taking it a step further. It's really about applying the same rules to others as we would want them to apply to us. That is, firstly, that we're not defined just by our behaviour, that there's so much more to us than that. And secondly, that we are doing the best we can with what we've got at the time. Given our circumstances, our history, and the tools and techniques we can call on, this is the best we can do right now. And if we can get ourselves to see others in this light and bring that compassionate perspective to all of our relationships, then everything about these relationships can begin to change, including the quality of our interactions with people, how we manage conflict, and perhaps even how we feel about others. And you never know, this may be, even eventually, change how they feel about us. So it's about getting in touch with the sense of the common humanity that we all share. The first precept we'll look at today is that people are not just their behaviours. We can accept the person even when we may not accept some of their specific behaviour. This is a really important one for a couple of reasons. 
Firstly, it elevates the human experience to more than the sum of its parts. If people are really just their behaviours, then we are saying that their identity equals what they do. And if identity is involved, then that is much harder to change than behaviour. Because most people believe that identity is fixed. You hear people saying things like, it is who I am. Therefore, the prospect of changing behaviour becomes a threat to their very identity. This means our protective defences get fired up and we know this happens when we hear someone saying, I'm not being true to myself if I change my behaviour. So you can see how the behaviour then gets locked in because it becomes part of how a person believes their identity is defined. For example, think of someone who believes they're not great at sales. Now, If they see this as part of their identity, then it's like a solid object and is much harder to shift than if they see it as just a behaviour that they can learn and practice. Any perceived threat to our identity will trigger protective responses, which means in this instance, they'll come up with ways to sabotage the changes and to prove they're right that they're really not great at sales. Sometimes they'll go to great lengths to prove over and over again how right they are. This is what we all do when something challenges our perceived identity. However, if we're not just our behaviours, that means we must be able to choose how we behave. That is, we can choose behaviours that are consistent with our identity, our beliefs or not. Behaviours are actions and we know with actions that we can do them or we can stop them. Our current behaviours may be aligned with past decisions we've made or past experiences or even merely based on what others have told us to believe. As soon as we see a behaviour as fluid action that does not determine our identity, then it becomes clear that at some level we must be choosing what we do. Even if the choice is unconscious, it is still a choice. And because it's a choice, there's always the possibility we can change our choices change our decisions, change our behaviours. As long as we attach identity to behaviour and collapse them together, reducing everything about a person merely to what they have done, we've chosen the path of judgement, where there's little or no change and very limited possibilities. Imagine if you once did something not so great in the eyes of others when you were younger, and now your whole life could be defined by that incident. You became the person who did that horrible thing. This happens a bit in families. It happens with parents who tell you, this child's the smart one, this child's the playful one, this child is the bad-tempered one, this child is the happy one. The children are being defined by behaviour and they then take this on as part of their identity. Just think for a moment about what this could mean. If you are the happy child, and at some time in your life, you're just not happy. That means you're no longer you anymore. Something is wrong. Maybe you're broken. Defining people based on their behaviour imprisons their identity and limits their potential. Equally, kids may define their parents by something they did to them when they were young. Teenagers are especially good at this. (laughs) I've known people who've never forgiven their parents for making the decisions they did when they were bringing them up. And sometimes we do this with our siblings as well. 
We never forgive them for how mean they were when we were kids. Yet, if instead of looking at people, we look at how we are with our pets, then we see a very different pattern play out. It's not unusual for a pet owner to not judge their pet by the worst crime they've ever committed in their house, such as their dog or cat tearing apart their couch. And yet when it comes to applying that same rule, that same tolerance to other human beings, it can be a bit more challenging. In NLP, it's absolutely vital that we recognise that behaviour is something that occurs in a particular context. Maybe there's a stimulus that produces a behaviour. Perhaps there's something going on for the person, or maybe it's a strategy they learned and they just keep repeating the behaviour because it's been an automatic habit now to respond or react in that way. As people, we are way, way more than our behaviours. And when we're using NLP, it's so vital that we look beyond the behaviour and begin to ask ourselves, how's this working for me? And how's it working for the other person? And perhaps we can even get others to be curious about that too. If they've got behaviour they want to change, bring that curiosity and share it with them. When we recognise that we all have a capacity that exceeds just the behaviour, seeing people holistically rather than just merely in reaction to a particular incident or a particular behaviour definitely gives us the capability to create new possibilities and potentially install new behaviours, just like it does with our gorgeous dogs and cats when they play up on us. So this pre-sup is another fundamental component that we want to bring into our work with NLP, applying it in our lives. Just remember to go beyond the immediate behaviour and begin to really accept that a person doesn't deserve to be judged by perhaps the worst thing they've ever done. And similarly, we don't judge people exclusively by the best things they've done because people are indeed much more than their behaviour. We can't just reduce human nature to its elements We are way more than the sum of our parts. In fact, if you think about it, we're pretty magnificent beings. Our very existence could be a reason to celebrate with joy. Human existence, whether you believe in a higher being, universal consciousness, Yoda and the Force, or none of it, our very existence is nevertheless a thing of wonder. Now, the next NLP precept is... Everyone's doing the best they can with the resources they have available. And yes, it's another one of my favourite NLP precepts. And it's a favourite for a couple of reasons. Firstly, you may remember from our earlier podcasts where we looked at the six core needs that a lot of human behaviour is what we would call needs-based behaviour. That is, we do it in order to satisfy or meet a specific need. And we'll continue behaviours that we have found are effective in meeting our needs. That's just the way we humans are built. It's true that sometimes the behaviours we've developed for meeting these needs may no longer be very functional or resourceful. However, given our history, the view of the world we've constructed, the circumstances we find ourselves in, the habits we've developed, and the resources we have available at a particular point of time, at some level... We're all doing the best we can with what we've got. Sometimes from our perspective, someone else's behaviour might seem a bit odd or even very unresourceful. However, by now you will be realising 
that from their perspective, given their history, experiences, habits, beliefs and resources, this behaviour represents the best that they can do with what they've got. The second reason I really like this precept is it's a great one to apply to ourselves. And what I mean by that is if we look back over our past, there are many things that have happened that may have shaped our map of the world. Perhaps it was something we were doing or being, or perhaps it was something we weren't doing. And we might even think now, why didn't I do that? Or why did I take so long to realise that? This presupposition reminds us that we're doing the best we can with the resources we had available to us at that time. And by recognising that, it opens up the potential for forgiveness, if that's necessary, or at least for compassion and perhaps even understanding. So that way we can let go of the need to judge ourselves in the past and rather come into the present moment and recognise that we now have different resources available to us. And with what we have available to us now, we have different opportunities and can make new choices. Once we're doing this for ourselves, then we have the capacity to model that for others. And we can create for them the opportunity to also get in touch with the realisation that at any point of time in our life, the decisions we make, the actions we take, the behaviour we're exhibiting are all based on the resources that we have available to us. And yes, in the future, we may look back and be perplexed or confused about why did we do that? However, in the future, we have different resources available to us, and that gives us a different insight. So sharing this precept means we can bring others into the present moment, perhaps if necessary with the forgiveness frame around their past, or getting in touch with compassion for themselves and recognise that now, because they have new resources available to them, they can also make new choices and act in new ways. So this, for me, this NLP precept really does create for us the capacity to feel a deep compassion, a forgiveness if necessary, or perhaps even understanding for things that, at first glance, may seem to be bewildering, frustrating or confusing. And as I've already said, This precept connects us right back to one of the first NLP precepts we explored in episode 31, which is having respect for another person's model of the world. We cannot recognise that everyone is doing the best they can with what they've got without also appreciating that every person has their own unique map or model of reality. When we take on these precepts, it enables us to create a safe place both for ourselves and others to explore and create new possibilities. The difference between defining ourselves and others purely in terms of our behaviour and recognising that people are so much more than just behaviour is a profound one. And whilst we know that behaviour is a very accurate indicator of a person's underlying beliefs, values and other unconscious drivers, it does not mean that this defines their identity or their potential as a person. When we couple this precept with the knowledge that people are doing the best they can with the resources they have available to them, it's a relatively small step to move on to respecting their model of the world. And because we bring that understanding to ourselves and to others, recognising that we aren't just what we do and we are doing the best we can with what we've got, then we also invite compassion and forgiveness into our world. 
and we can possibly then get in touch with our own and others' humanity. And in doing that, we create a safe place to explore and build new possibilities with a potential for change, which is, after all, the core purpose of doing work with NLP. Join me in the next NLP Matters episode when we continue our podcasts following the compass of NLP as we explore the NLP presuppositions. In our next episode, we're looking at two precepts that emphasize the power of being flexible, and they are that the meaning of communication is the response you get and the law of requisite variety, which says that the person with the greatest behavioral flexibility gets to control the system. Can't wait. Stay awesome, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Wow, thanks for showing up and listening in. We would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts, ideas, or questions via email to joanne at destinypursuit.com.au. Now it's time to take today's recipe out into your own life. Notice the differences that show up as you apply it. We'd love to hear how you are progressing with your new approach.